Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Okay. Um, you there? Yeah. Sorry, it's just chaos because we're basically just like a gut shell of the house. And so I'm here. Good to uh, hear that you're okay. Yeah. Hello and welcome to Behind the Headlines, a podcast from The Independent. I'm Tom Rochelle. In each episode of this show, we speak to correspondents and experts to better understand what's happening around us. Today, I'm joined by The Independent's correspondent in Beirut, Belle True, and Deputy International Editor, Gemma Fox. At around 6pm local time yesterday, two explosions near downtown Beirut sent a cloud of smoke towering into the air and a shockwave across the city that could be felt as far away as Cyprus. At the time of recording this podcast, official figures say that 4,000 people have been injured and 100 have died. But of course, that number is sadly expected to rise as search and rescue operations are now underway. Belle, you're a Beirut resident. Um, firstly, how are you? Uh, yeah, we're very lucky to be doing okay, actually. Um, during When the blast happened, we happened to be outside of our flat that is pretty destroyed, so we were extremely lucky. But definitely underslept, um, sort of wondering where the country is going to go next, given the huge levels of devastation. We'll come on to um, maybe some of that a little bit later on. Let's take it back to uh, to begin with, though. Maybe you could talk us through where you were at the moment of the blast yesterday and what that was like. Well, it happened at about 6pm local time, and I was just a few kilometres outside of Beirut. And there was an initial first explosion, which got me a little bit concerned because tensions have been rising here uh, in Lebanon between the uh, Lebanese militant group Hezbollah and Israel have been to the cross-border exchanges. So I was instantly on guard. And then probably maybe a, less than a minute later, there was an enormous explosion. So uh, intense, in fact, that it pushed me to my feet. And I was actually outside of Beirut. And then wow. we saw this huge mushroom cloud, kind of tinged grey and also red, that started to raise above Beirut. At that point, we started receiving you know, crazy footage coming from the ground near the port showing an extraordinary uh, explosion. And then following that, the shockwave that just ripped straight through central Beirut, which is some of the most residential areas there, uh, causing utter devastation. Uh, after that, I went back into Beirut, um, you know, with lots and lots of people desperate, you know, trying to work out where colleagues are, friends are, relatives are, loved ones are, people were injured, 
um, going into Beirut was almost apocalyptic scenes. The you know entire streets were covered in crushed glass. Um, there were shards of metal everywhere. The, you know, fronts of buildings had been ripped down, including balconies. In some areas, buildings had even collapsed. There were non-stop sirens, both from um, ambulances, but alarms and car alarms, destroyed cars. There were just stunned, uh, injured people walking around with, you know, heavy injuries to their heads. Some of them were on the back of motorcycles being driven between hospitals, which were already reaching capacity. And real just, you know, a complete sense of disbelief of what had happened, the confusion. Um, and amid that, of course, lots and lots of speculation over what had caused the blast, what, why, uh, whether there was going to be another one, uh, and just utter, utter devastation. You mentioned there how, how you were outside of the city when the blast happened. You were up in the mountains, is that right? Yeah, but, you know, the shockwave was so intense, it hit us up there. It was staggering. I mean, that's when I, I mean, I really presumed at first that the explosion had taken place somewhere quite, quite nearby uh, because it had such a profound physical impact. Uh, on me. I mean, my ears were ringing up in the mountains. So you can just imagine how devastating it was for those who were much closer to the epicenter. And as you're traveling back into the city of Beirut, what are the logistics of of getting into a city that has suffered something like that? It's utter chaos, of course, because so many people are trying to uh, either flee Beirut because they were in a total panic. And, you know, some, many people believe that there was generally a war on the corner, around the corner. Or people desperately trying to get back in, like me, to find out what happened to their homes. So, um, you know, I live probably just about a kilometre away from the epicentre of the blast. It's getting panic phone calls from people in my building saying that the entire front of the building had been destroyed, that windows had been ripped out of their um, casings. So not just, with, you know, glass shattered, but we're talking about aluminium frames uh, including metal shutters, heavy metal shutters, um, basically being ripped out of the wall and thrown across the room. So there was this sort of panic, really, as people trying to get in and out of Beirut at the same time. Ambulances desperately trying to find hospitals that could take injured because it wasn't, of course, just residential homes that are impacted by the blast, but hospitals themselves. So my local hospital, which is one of the closest to the to the, to the epicenter of the um, explosion, their emergency department was left in utter tatters because of the shock waves, their generator was also hit, so they had no electricity. The medics and doctors there were trying to pull their own, you know, colleagues and patients out of the rubble whilst receiving uh, freshly wounded from the surrounding area simultaneously, and so set up a kind of triage centre in the car park, which just a few hours beforehand would be hosting coronavirus testing facility for the re- for the area. So we're talking about utter, utter confusion. People trying to get into Beirut, get out of Beirut, ambulances trying to find hospitals that will take patients, hospitals trying to treat people whilst also treating their own staffers who are trapped under rubble, people walking around wounded, blood on the streets, glass shattered everywhere, just sort of staggering scenes that you're trying to kind of compute and um, consume as you get closer and closer to the centre of this extraordinary blast. You mentioned your own apartment building there, and you posted some some videos to social media last night of uh, the shattered glass that you mentioned, the the aluminium frames of windows ripped out the walls, and also of your of your cats who um, who survived uh, thankfully, but were very scared, weren't they? Absolutely. I mean, this is. I mean, it sounds sad, but one of the things that was worrying me the most was was um, my two cats, and this is something. Uh, that sadly has not gone so well for other people um, in terms of pets being being killed or gone missing. But I mean, it was really staggering that neither of them 
were killed. And as I said, I was very lucky to not have been in the apartment at the time because the sheer weight of these metal shutters and metal frames and the amount of glass that was thrown across the length of the flat uh, in various different rooms would have been extremely dangerous. And this is the problem that's been happening. That's why we've got so many injured is really the shockwaves. It's not necessarily the blast itself, but it's these incredibly powerful shockwaves that basically ravished the city, uh, exploding everything um, in its path. So when I got back to the flat, I mean, I, I was honestly expecting some broken glass, having been um, near to explosions many times in the past. Um, but I did not expect, you know, the actual aluminium frames and the shutters, um, these metal shutters, to have been pulled from the walls, because that is such a level of, of power that only comes from a blast that I have never experienced before. Uh, Gemma, you're a former Beirut resident as well. What's it like for you to, to see these images of the city in this state? I mean, it's heartbreaking. <clears throat> I think the sheer extent of the damage is something we've not seen before. And as Bell's saying, the scenes at the hospitals, the complete devastation in the centre of Beirut is... It's, we're sort of left speechless, I think. Belle, you've just described in sort of great detail there the, the events of yesterday. Thinking about overnight into today, what does the city look like today? Well, this morning I went down to go and have a look at the streets and basically everyone was out pretty much sweeping broken glass, shards of metal, bits of building. Also, unfortunately, you know, blood off the streets as well. And speaking to people, they were just saying... You know, they're just so in shock. They're not really sure how they can can function in the future. But the immediate thing to do is, if you have a shop, is rescue the, the products within the shop. Because, I mean, there is no security. The windows are not there anymore. There's no doors. You know, the products are out there and ready to be to be stolen if, if, if anyone is around. Um, but also homes. The, the big question is, where is everyone going to live? Um, and, I mean, there have been some numbers floating around of people who are homeless. But it's numbering maybe in 200,000. There's a question that I have to ask myself. I've got huge holes in my flat. Um, I slept last night for maybe one, one and a half hours, two hours on a, on a sofa with my partner on the floor. But, you know, we, we don't have, we have huge holes in our flat right now. It's not, we can't live like that. Um, and we haven't even begun to clean up the mess that's in our own apartment. And people are doing this basically across the city. On top of that are the missing. Um, there are still buildings which are rubble. The whole area of the port just looks absolutely destroyed. There are people who are frantically looking for their loved ones, either port workers, people who lived close to the area where the blast um, emanated from, who, who can't find them. Um, and, you know, networks are very sketchy at the moment. People aren't able to get through to people. You know, there's lists circulating online showing names of people who have been found in various different wards or morgues. It, it's just, it's extraordinary what this kind of, national level of shock that's happening at the moment coming at an incredibly difficult time for the country that was already limping through an unprecedented financial crisis as well as these staggeringly long blackouts you know you maybe get one or two hours of power from the grid a day and the coronavirus we were actually mid-lockdown uh, second lockdown because we were on a huge surge of coronavirus cases and deaths so it's just it's hard to see what else could go wrong in Lebanon right now um, and how people are going to be able to put their lives back together in the coming days. 
One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. You mentioned there the the area of the city, the port where the explosion happened. Um, Gemma, the building where it did happen, it was holding munitions and explosives, wasn't it? What can you tell us about about why they were there and why they were being housed in that facility? Yeah, so look, a lot of questions are going to have to be asked. Uh, officials in Lebanon have said it appears the blast was caused by the detonation of more than 2,700 tonnes of ammonium nitrate, which is an explosive commonly used in fertiliser and bombs. And if stored correctly, it's not regarded as particularly volatile or dangerous. And many countries have regulations controlling its storage. So there's going to have to be a lot of questions as to why for six years they were storing a dangerous chemical with apparently no proper safety measures in a populated civilian area. Because uh, it was apparently confiscated in 2014 and kept in the warehouse in the port, which sits in the centre of Lebanon's capital, Beirut, and is a key shipping area for imports and exports. So as to why there weren't proper safety measures and why it was being stored there is going to be part of the investigation. Uh, both the Prime Minister Hassan Diab and the President Michel Aoun have said the storage was completely unacceptable. Yeah, absolutely. You, you say there that, that questions need to be asked. They certainly do, and an investigation will will surely take place. Um, Donald Trump suggested last night at a press briefing that the explosion was was deliberate. Uh, he he referred to it quote as an attack. Um, that's a an incredibly bold claim. At the moment, is there any truth to that at all? No, there's not been any evidence to suggest it was an attack. Uh, as I said, there is still an investigation underway. There's still a lot we don't know. But from, and at, when it immediately happened, as Bell said, in light of the tensions in the region, there was a lot of speculation that perhaps it had been a missile or some form of attack. But very quickly, Israel said they had nothing to do with it. And there's been no evidence to suggest that it was a deliberate attack. We believe it was an unfortunate accident in the warehouse that set off the explosions. 
And so I think it's considering that there's still so much we don't know, it's very inappropriate for Donald Trump to have come out at the press briefing saying it was an attack when there's been no evidence to suggest this was the case and it's going to only inflame tensions when at the moment the focus needs to be on getting to the bottom of what happened and ensuring the safety of civilians. And I think it's also, it says a lot about his presidency that when other countries, the the UK, even Israel, Saudi Arabia, were coming out saying that they were ready to stand with Lebanon with any support they need, ready to send aid, which particularly in the case of Israel was a very rare gesture. Mm. And for the US president to come out and to start discussing that it was an attack with no evidence um, and putting that as the main line that you want to push forward, I think is very telling. It seems to me that his priority was to perhaps inflame tensions rather than waiting to see what had happened and actually just providing the support that Lebanon actually needs. It's a theme that that we've seen before from Donald Trump, isn't it? Um, Bell, as you mentioned earlier, Lebanon is a country that was already struggling with the impact of COVID-19, wasn't it? Will the healthcare system in the country be able to cope with this crisis? Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that because actually just a few hours before the blast occurred, the head of the main hospital dealing with um, the coronavirus response here uh, in Lebanon and Beirut, the Rafika Liva University Hospital, the, the hospital director tweeted saying that they were nearing capacity uh, in terms of who they could treat for, um, for those suffering from coronavirus. We had actually just gone back into a full lockdown because the health ministry said they were very concerned at a surge of cases. So Lebanon doesn't have the same level of cases as other countries do, but it also does not have the same level of healthcare system or financial aid or supplies that other countries do to be able to respond to a big outbreak. So at the time, hospitals were already limping through the pandemic and not doing particularly well. But now they're obviously going to, they're dealing with you know, thousands of injured and of course, hundreds of dead and missing people. Um, at a time when the country doesn't have the finances to be able to purchase additional supplies for hospitals or really up its response to any medical emergency, let alone one of this extraordinary magnitude. So certainly when I was speaking to doctors yesterday in the hospitals, hospitals themselves, which were hit, they they were really struggling to work out how they were going to be able to deal with this. And some people who were injured were literally sent to to northern cities in, in like Tripoli, which is several hours away, or just were left to kind of bleed at home because there were no spaces left in the hospitals that were functioning. And the hospitals that had been hit by the, you know, the shockwaves were trying to just patch people up in a car park. So, you know, you know, it, it's just, it's so many things happening at the same time, as well as the financial crisis, which has massively impacted hospitals because they're owed so much money from the government. And the coronavirus response, which already wasn't going very well. Now hospitals have actually been taken out it's hard to see how they're going to be able to respond to this disaster as well as the is the continued threat of coronavirus and that was another thing that was that I noticed last night when I was standing in this makeshift emergency room outside of a, a hospital you know in the middle of this mess with you know ambulances coming in and people coming in on the back of motorcycles with head injuries hospital administrators were suddenly shouting you know make way for the coronavirus cases because they were evacuating coronavirus patients from the destroyed hospital and trying to put them in a corner of the car park away from the other people. But, you know, 
social distancing was obviously out the window and most people who were you know fleeing their homes after this enormous you know blast didn't have masks so the fear is also that not only can the country not cope with the coronavirus or with this uh, disaster that there will be a spike in coronavirus cases because of this and they will again not be able to deal with that as well the picture that you that you paint there is is pretty bleak uh, i have to say um, and and we've seen you know shocking uh, images and videos coming out of Beirut over the last eighteen hours already. Uh, what what does happen now? What does the next one day, one week, one month look like for the city? Well, right now there's a sort of frantic cleanup operation going on. Every person is out on the streets with their um, you know rooms, trying to uh, clear the debris from their destroyed homes or shops. Or they're inside their homes trying to repair windows or car windows or whatever it is. Or they're in the hospital with their loved ones hoping that they pull through. Or they're going from hospital to morgue looking for their missing relatives and friends. So we're at the moment in the grips of a kind of immediate aftermath panic where people are trying to find missing people. They're trying to patch together their houses and their businesses. What that looks like in the next day, um, the biggest question is going to be is where is everyone going to live? Um, it's certainly a question, as I said, that has crossed my mind. I'm not sure if I can stay in my own home, given there is enormous holes in the wall that may not be able to be patched up, it's particularly as Lebanon doesn't have you know, the supplies needed. And the main port for imports uh, is obviously completely flattened. So the, you know, day one is going to be, where are we going to sleep? Where's my loved one? Um, and then week one's going to be, how can we put the economy and the country and back together again and how can we how can we tend to those who are you know in critical care do we have enough um resources for that and then i think you know one month is going to be really how can we reconstruct swathes of the city and at the same time who's responsible for this because there's a lot of anger out there justified anger from lebanese people they have been through hell over the last few months and this is largely to do with terrible mismanagement and often corruption in the government that has led to this um, financial crisis that was already gutting families and homes. But now to find out that this blast may be or likely um, is a result of mismanagement of highly explosive materials in a populated area, that's only adding to the discontent and anger. So the government's going to have to find out who's responsible for this, punish them properly, and make sure this doesn't happen again, as well as securing vital aid from the international community to be able to, you know, piece the country back together again, because they certainly don't have the resources here to be able to do that. Yes. Okay. Well, Belle, thank you so much for taking the time today to join us from Beirut. Uh, I understand that you're very busy, so we really appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me on. And Gemma, thank you for joining us uh, and for sharing your insight as well. Thank you. Uh, that's all we have time for today. Uh, if you're a new listener, you can subscribe to Behind the Headlines on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you listen. If there are stories you'd like to hear, you can email behindtheheadlines at independent.co.uk. You can support this show and all forms of reporting at The Independent by signing up as a supporter. There's a link in the description for that. Thanks again for listening and goodbye. 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.